Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Kevin Mills, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Yeah, thank you, Paul. I, I thought we knew each other when, when we were kids, but I guess Vaughn and I knew each other, your older brother, and you and I didn't meet until we were in the same Army National Guard unit. What, 95? No, I think it's a little bit after that, maybe. No, spring, April of 95. That's when you joined that unit, but I don't think we were in the same company until maybe 97. Okay. Something like that. We were in the same battalion, though. Yeah. Who would have been my captain then? Uh, who was the guy before me? He had a mustache. Gosh, what is it? I Gore. Captain Gore. Gore? I don't remember him. I thought it was you from the day one. No. June of 97 is when I took, yeah. joined that company. Anyway, all right, so you grew up in Ashland, right? Yes. City, uh, town of Ashland, or were you outside town? Just outside, just west of uh, Ashland. So between, like, the Luck Farm and yep. Hanover Country Club? Yep, in that between area. Luck Farm and Patrick Henry. Okay, and what did you do uh, as a kid besides go to school and do what your parents told you? Uh, run around, mess up, get in trouble. Uh, I played some sports, but mainly at about 12 I started riding motorcycles. Ah, that's yeah. fun, right? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you had land out there, and y'all just go wherever you wanted to. Yeah, we had land with my friends. We had trails. Back then, you could go ask, you know, somebody if you could run across their land, and they would let you. And, th- yeah, now people care about that stuff, right? Yeah, now nobody can ride around. I mean, we used to run through backyards when I was a kid because yeah. Silent Rob and I grew up in town, and we would just go through people's backyards, and nobody ever said anything to us. <laughs> right. And y'all, you had this a similar version, but... Obviously, you're on motorcycles. Yeah, now they call the police on my kids. <laughs> oh, on kids, not my kids. Because your your kids are angels. All the time. I'm guessing. All yeah. the time. Can you watch them for me? <laughs> I, let me meet them first. <laughs> we, let's talk about that. You, you've got a 14-year-old and a 9-year-old? Yes, I do. A uh, 14-year-old's a boy. What's his name? Peyton. And the little girl's uh, Aaron. And then... She's got you wrapped around her pinky. Uh, she does. She acts like she's 21, 25. Mm, and she's she, only nine. And she tries to boss around her brother, but sometimes she succeeds in doing. <laughs> so she, she's like, she's, I call her little mama sometimes. She's in charge. She tries to be in charge. <laughs> she's in charge of me, but not so much her brother. What, what grade is she going into? She's going into fifth grade this year, and Peyton's moving up to ninth grade. Okay, so he's going to be in high school. Yeah. I can't right. believe it. All right, right. We'll we'll talk about them uh, towards the end. Okay, some more. All right. So riding a motorcycle. What kind of motorcycle did you did you ride? Uh, I rode everything, but I ended up on a uh, four wheeler. Was my last bike I had. Uh, actually, I had after I shoot after I, uh, what twenty years later I got another motorcycle. Mm. Start riding around the track, but then I had then I had kids. Mm. When you say riding around a track, you're talking like an oval dirt track? Motocross track, yeah. So you were racing? No, I wasn't racing. I was racing myself. Oh, you just having fun? Yeah, on. racing myself and my friends. What's the craziest thing you've ever done on a motorcycle? Uh, I don't know. Probably. I'd, you, I, you never got hurt? No, I never really got hurt. I mean, I got scraped up a little bit. I think the craziest thing I ever did was a guy from work had a uh, crotch rocket. And I got on that and... Uh, I asked him for a take for a spin because I think at the time I was thinking about getting one, and I, I took off down Bell's Road in the city, mm-hmm. and that thing about threw me off, and I was just like, "This is not for me." It's too fast. It's way too fast. And you're exposed. Yep, and I'm too dumb to slow down. <laughs> How fast do you think you went? I, I didn't look. I didn't look. I was looking ahead, and I hit a bump in the road, mm. and I was just like, "This." not for me it doesn't seem like it should be for anybody no but i tell you the craziest thing i think i did was on a snowmobile a guy i worked with in the city he was from upstate new york and we went up to he's right around uh i forget the name of the lake but he was probably 40 minutes outside of buffalo lake erie no it wasn't lake erie ontario Mm, i can name all five of them if you need me to yeah (laughs) I, I, i can't remember but we went up there his parents lived right on the uh, lake, and his brother had two snowmobiles. His brother had one of the fastest stock snowmobiles that you could buy. And I was riding, I was riding that thing after I got comfortable riding the snowmobile. I've never done it. And they, they had trails for miles. I mean, you could ride all Miles day. and miles. You go bars. I mean, I mean, just ride all day. And we were riding. We went out on the lake. The lake was frozen. And he 
my buddy took off, I took off, I passed him, and I'm flying across that lake. And I looked down at the speedometer, and it said 115. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> on, I, on snow. On snow, on a lake. And I held it there probably for another three to five seconds. And I, I remember thinking to myself, this is dumb. This is dumb. The ice, I guess, was really thick. Yes, yep. It had to be. Yeah, my head was really thick for a few, <laughs> few seconds there. So, I've never been on a snowmobile. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, I guess it's kind of like a motorcycle, except it's lower to the ground. Yeah, and a lot colder. Yeah, a lot colder. <laughs> I mean, you had to be, cover every bit of your skin up to be comfortable yep. doing yeah, it. Yeah, he had, he had uh, his brother had heated gloves. I mean, we, I didn't get cold. We were, we were warm because he had heated gloves, and I was dressed up like a, you know, you know, like Santa Claus probably. All right, your your dad, who I think you told me eighty three now eighty three yeah eighty three he he was uh, he's a former Green Beret yep v- Vietnam War veteran as well or did he no not he didn't he didn't go to Vietnam no because uh, he's a little bit older I guess yep he uh, he went into the Marines I think in fifty seven or fifty eight and he was in the Marines for a year two years and he re. Somehow he reclassified because he, he heard about Green Berets and he decided he wanted to try for Green Berets. What was he doing in the Marine Corps? Do you remember? I think he was an infantryman. Okay. Yeah. So he's a grunt with the Marines, yep. which means he's tough and maybe not so smart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he heard about the Green Berets because they came into existence in 62 or 63, I something like so, that. Yeah. And he said, oh, that sounds even harder. Yeah, let me try that. <laughs> let me go do that. And the man, he went to Randolph-Macon for a semester. Okay. And he's just like, he. I asked him one day, and he's like, this school wasn't for me. Yeah, it's not for everybody, that's no, for sure. No. And you can do amazing things and not go to college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always, I've never really known your dad that well, and I haven't seen him in forever, but uh, I've always had a ton of respect for his service in the military. As well as your dad. Yeah, right on. Uh, all right, so you're one of two boys in the family. Correct. You've got an older brother. Yep. Vaughn. Vaughn, Vaughn did the Army thing, too. Why do you think Vaughn joined the Army? Uh, Vaughn was, shoot, man, ever since we were little kids. Ever since I can remember Vaughn, you know, that's all he talked about. You know, we'd go outside and play, and he wanted to play Army, mm. play war. You know, my dad would bring home uh, mock weapons from, you know, his unit that right. he would let us play with. And say so we would run around with mock AKs, M16s. I think he brought home a used... Uh, uh, I think it was a bazooka. Okay. And, you know, it was kind of weird the toys that we had running around the yard. And y'all were doing this in the yard and, and maybe other people's properties? Running, running around the neighborhood. Nowadays, they probably have uh, people call the police on us. Oh, you could, if you saw a kid running around with a mock AK? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, man. But nobody batted an eye back then. Nope. Nope. And we had a lot of fun. And then, so Vaughn joined as soon as he possibly could. Yeah, he got, he, he graduated in what, June? Of, what, 86? Yeah. I think two weeks later, he was gone. Mm. I don't even think two weeks. I think a week within graduating, he was gone. And he did the grunt thing, too. Yep. Uh, he's a loving Bravo, and he went to jump school, and he went straight to Fort Bragg. And he also uh, did ranger school at some, yep. one point. I remember seeing him in uniform, and he had white stitches in his ranger tab. And I said, I didn't know what it meant at the time. Right. And he goes, I, I went through uh, during the winter. I'm right. like, oh, so you're especially tough and especially <laughs> not so smart, maybe. Yeah. No more toes. Oh, man, that sounds brutal to yeah. me. All right, so then did you do the same thing? You basically followed in your dad's and your older brother's footsteps? Yeah, I remember my dad was trying to get me to do something else. My dad was like, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe he thought I was a lot more softer than my brother. Hmm. Uh, he's but, never said that to no he's never said that <laughs> but you can tell by the looks but no he always tried to get me to do something else he either tried to get me to college or a trade school you know he tried to steer me away from the military but you know in school you know I won't say I didn't get in trouble but I wasn't focused hmm. so I like knew, a lot of kids a lot of teenage yeah. boys are not focused I knew I knew I had to do something to get some focus and you know I could tell my brother was having good times and you know he would tell me you know sometimes it's miserable uh but you know I, I could see the change in him and i think i could see like the smile on my dad's face when he would come home yeah you know my dad always smiled at us but you know i could just tell my dad was proud of what he's doing i think that's probably why what led me in that direction so my brother i think the it was like this spring 
just before I got out. And he he came home one weekend or one week and went to the recruiters with me. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went to the, uh, what was it? What was that recruitment place you'd go to sign up? The one in Asheville? No, the one in Richmond. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name. But we went there and I was going there. My brother had uh, talked to me about doing a couple of different things. And he was like, you need to be an aerial, aerial scout observer. And so he showed me that, and I watched a couple of little videos that he showed me. And I was like, oh, I wanna, that's what I want to do. So we went to uh, sign up that day, and I had, the recruiter's like, you got to wait a year and a half to go in. Oh, gosh. Yeah, school's that far out. And I'm like, I'm not waiting a year and a half. I got to, you know, I want to go now. What was the MOS? Uh, aerial Scout Observer. I forget the, what the MOS It's was. pretty unusual. Yeah. They probably had one class a year, maybe. Maybe probably two. So. Yep. Yeah. And so they came back and they offered me 11 Bravo. My brother was like, no, don't do that. Because <laughs> he was 11 and Bravo. He said, yeah. You're, you, know, you know, don't do that. Do something else. And so they came back and gave me like 12 Bravo, MP, uh, supply, mm. a cook. And I was just like, oh, you can nix these two right off the bat. And I, and I asked him about an MP, but at the time they had height restrictions. And you had to be f- over 5'11". Why is that? I have no idea. I have no idea. So Sort it, of a presence sort of thing? Probably so. Yeah. And so I ended up, uh, you know, I was interested in being a 12 Bravo. But I was like, look, I, I remember telling the recruiter, the guy sitting there with me, I think he was an E6. I was like, it's, I'm not making a decision today. And they're like, you got to. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> no, you, no, you don't. And so. <laughs> the recruiters will tell you all yeah. kinds of stuff. So he goes into an office, and the lieutenant and the captain comes out, and they all get around me and start going at me. And I'm like. Was Vaughn with you? He was sitting outside. I said, look, I want to speak to my brother. And so they kind of hesitated, but. They, you know, I could see my brother through a window. And so I got out, went out there, and I told my brother what was going on. He's like, you ain't. He said, we can leave right now. Yeah. He said, I'll take you home. And so they came back at me again out there in the hallway. My brother was standing there. My brother, he actually stood up to that captain. It's like, this is my brother. He, he said, sir, I'll do respect. He said, he's not he's not signed up. And if he wants to walk out of here, if he wants to tell you no, he, he by all means. Yeah. He's Of he's, course. He's 18. He can walk out of here. And so they just kind of looked at me, and you're like, well, you, this is why you came today. I was like, well, I came here to sign up as a narrow scout observer, and you're telling me a year and a half. So I left. We walked out of there that day, and I remember on the and, and by the way, I want to be clear. Most recruiters are not that over-the-top putting pressure no. on kids. So my recruiter, the recruiter I was talking to in Ashland, was uh, he kind of stood back because – he had already met my brother, and somehow they kind of knew each other. So he he didn't say anything, but on the way home, I was riding with him. He's like, yeah, they're probably disappointed. They thought you'd sign up today. And he's like, typically, that's what guys do. You know, guys or girls, they come, they sign up. And I said, well, I said, I'm going to think about it, and I'll get back with you. And I pro- probably two weeks later, you know, after talking to my brother and uh, – my dad introduced me to one of his friends that he was, uh, it was in his unit. He was a Green Beret. His son went in and was a Toronto Bravo. Mm. So we went and had lunch with him one weekend. And he talked to me, talked to me about being a Toronto Bravo, and so did my brother. And I was like, sounds pretty cool. I want to be a Toronto Bravo. Yeah, so well, and just signed up. for the listening audience that's never been in the Army, 12 Bravo is a combat engineer. Yeah. I've always described combat engineers as uh, grunts with brains. Right, right. Exactly. That's accurate, right? It is accurate, yeah. Because <laughs> you got to do math. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and grunts typically can't do math. No, yeah. no. <laughs> Unless they got ranger beads. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they count the tip yeah. with the ranger beads. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, all right, so where'd you go to basic? Well, no, let's back up. Let's back up. You leave the uh, recruit recruiter or the trio of recruiters. Uh, how long did it take for you to come back? I think it was two, three weeks maybe. Okay. Yeah, I came back. Yeah, it was about two to three weeks because we went and met uh, my dad's friend's son. Uh, and I think, that, I think that was within a week because we met him on a Saturday and had lunch, and he talked to me about it. And You sounded pretty cool. Yeah, he did, and he had gotten out, and he had gotten out, and this is back in the early 80s probably, or mid-80s, and he had gotten out, and he was working for S.B. Cox as a, a dem, one of their demo experts. Mm. 
So he's like, when you get out, you can do this, you can continue to do it. Yeah, there. I tell people all the time, a lot of what the infantry does doesn't translate very well to the civilian world, unless you're going to go be a contractor overseas, that kind of thing. Yeah. And being an infantryman, you do learn leadership skills that yeah. can be applied. Uh, but for 12Bs, it's engineering, and a lot of that does apply in the yeah. in the non-military or civilian world. Did you ever use anything you learned as a 12B? No. Mm-hmm. no. <laughs> Neither did no. I. Maybe, some, maybe the math when I'm figuring out a checkbook. <laughs> Helped you with the math. Gave, <laughs> yeah. gave you another couple yeah. of years of math. Yeah. All right, so where'd you go to basic? Uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Fort, I, what, what was the nickname for Fort Leonard Wood? Fort Lost in the Woods. That's right. I went, uh, I went just before Thanksgiving and spent my thank, first Thanksgiving away from home. And I thought, I remember leaving that morning. And Staff Sergeant Green came and picked me up. That was my recruiter. Mm. He came and picked me up, and I remember I got up. You know, at, it was like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. My parents were still in bed. I said, well, you know, at the time, I thought, you know, I'd be home for Christmas. Because that's <laughs> what they told us. You'd be home for Christmas Exodus. And this is right before the uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Right, 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 right. And so my brother was already over there. And so, hey, I'll see you all in a month. Bye. And I walked on out, got in his car, and, you know, I think probably May of, uh, what, 91, I, was, I came home for two weeks. Because you did one station unit training, and so you did AIT yep. right after basic. Yep. Uh, yeah, so two things about the time, the year and the time of year. The time of year, it was, there was ice on the ground all the cold. time out there. It, yeah, it people cold. don't understand how cold Missouri can get. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that Missouri had that much snow and got that cold. There was always something, either ice or snow on the ground all the time. Yep, yep, it was, it was, it, it got miserable a few times. You know, that definitely introduced me to the cold. So, uh, do you have any mem- memorable days from basic? Uh, having bronchitis. I remember staying up all night and coughing. Uh, no, basic's kind of a blur uh, for the most part. I mean, I had some I had some really good drill instructors, but it's shoot, it's just kind of a blur. You know, I remember just I got there and it's like I was leaving. Most well, 31, 32 years ago. God, why you got to say that? <laughs> I'm older than you, brother. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, even then it was kind of a blur. You know, it, it it seemed like it would last forever, what, 12, 16 weeks? But it it went by quick for me. You're talking about the whole thing, AIT, too? Mm-hmm. AIT was a blur, too? Uh, part of it was. You know, AIT was a lot more interesting. Unless, you know, basically we were shooting. I liked shooting. And AIT, we got into more of our job. You know, I didn't care too much for the classroom stuff. I was struggling to stay awake, mm. like most of us. Yeah. But, no, I, you know, it's a lot more interesting. And, you know, I, I think I was thinking a lot about, uh, by then, I was also start, starting to think about jump school. Mm. You know, my palms are getting wet, you know, sweating, just thinking about jumping in an aircraft. Well, your, your brother and your dad had yeah. gone to jump school. Yeah. All right, so at AIT, you, you got to learn about uh, – Mobility, counter mobility, general engineering, survivability, all that stuff. Yep. And I think the the mobility stuff. I don't know. I always I always enjoyed the mobility stuff because it meant you were helping the the attack. Right. Um, and you you got a good dose of mines and minefields and that kind of stuff too. I imagine. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite thing you learned at AIT? And by the way, you probably learned a lot more once you got to a unit. But uh, I think we started messing with C four, and I, I, I enjoyed and TNT and stuff, and I started having a lot of fun with that. It's it's neat. Here I am, what nineteen at the time, and they're and giving you're, me and you're this blowing, stuff. Blowing and they're letting me blow blow shit up. So yeah, I was like having a good time. So I was like, man, they they paying me for this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff did you blow up at AIT? And then we'll talk about stuff that you did once you were in the unit. You know, AIT, we, you know, we would just go set charges up. We might blow up Constantina wire, something like that. And I think they had, uh, we would just set stuff up and just blow it up. Yeah. You know, we'd just go out there and put C4 or whatever up. Or we would make, uh, you know, Bangalore's and just blow that up. Yeah. Nothing too special. It wasn't like you were, it was part of a, uh, an overall mission, and you right. weren't blowing up bridges or anything. Right. Yeah, yep. pretty basic stuff. Yeah, like yep. there's some stuff out here on, yep. on the range. We'll just blow that up, and it's fine. Speaking of bridges, I remember they took us to. We had to put up bridges one day or a couple of days. I hated that. Which bridge? 
uh, what is it, the Bailey's Bridge? The, the Bailey's a pain is, in the ass. What is the uh, the the floating bridge? Yeah. Uh, salt float bridge, I think is what. It's no, I think it's called something else. Oh, daggone! This is going to be bad. All my engineer buddies, all that maybe listen to this, are going to uh, be the, disappointed in me. They had the boat. The boats were cool. The boats had some horsepower. AFRB, a salt float uh, ribbon yep, bridge. Yep, that's, yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah, AFRB. I got lucky with that. My memory came back. <laughs> yeah, the AFRBs were kind of cool. It, it unless you were really proficient in putting them together, it would take some time to yeah. get that bridge together. Um, the Bailey just seemed like a dumb bridge to me. I agree. That was the most. That, I never enjoyed that. I was just was miserable. I didn't. You know, it's just like it's just like watching paint dry. For it, me. it was. It was pretty boring for me yeah. too. I like demo. Yeah, I enjoyed a ton. Of, yeah, the demo was awesome. All right, so you end up finishing AIT, and everything was clean through basic and AIT, no issues. And then you're going to be assigned to a unit. Did you know which unit you were going to be assigned to? Well, uh, the funny thing is, is my contract when I when I went to the recruiter, I thought I was guaranteed an airborne unit. Mm. And so my brother was like, "Hopefully you go to Vicenza, Italy, or you come to Bragg." Yeah, one seventy third. That's a great place to yeah. go. And so I I went to airborne school, and we got there on a Friday night, late Friday night, because they as soon as we graduated, they put a, put us on buses and sent us down to uh, Fort Benning. And we got off the bus, they put us put us up in barracks. And it kind of, I think the following Monday, they started processing us. And so I think we had a zero week. So we, for a week, we didn't do anything. And we started airborne school. So I graduated airborne school, which my dad came down to. He was supposed to jump with me. Oh, really? Yeah, but I think he had his back. He broke his back when I was little. He shouldn't be jumping. Yeah, he broke his back when I was little jumping out of airplane. And he, he healed up and kept jumping out of airplanes. But he jumped with my brother, and but he was supposed to jump with me, and I forget. I think it was his back. Your dad was in his early fifties. He was in his forties, late mid, late forties, probably. No, hold on now. He's eighty three now. Eighty three. No, sorry. I, yeah, it would have been late forties. Okay. Or maybe fifty. Yeah. I give. I'd say fifty. Yeah. But it's, you're right. It's probably a good thing you didn't, because he's got all kinds of back issues now. But he. So make a long story short. They 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 came we graduated, and they came around and gave us our orders and my orders were for Germany, mm. two years, and now I kicked myself in the ass for this. And but I went to the uh, operations sergeant. I'm like, I'm supposed to have an airborne unit. You were going to be 19, 20 years old in Germany for two years. Yep, I'd do that all day long. Man. I wish I had. <laughs> I look because when I was at the guard, we went to Germany for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I. The what we had one or two days to go out on town, yep, and I had a blast. I remember looking around like, God, I gave this up to go to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. God, I'm <laughs> dumb. There's, so, there's no comparison between Fort Bragg, no, North Carolina, and Germany, yeah. no, but I like I kicked myself in the ass over that now. But I was like, Hey, I'm supposed to go to Fort, you know, be in an airborne unit, blah blah blah. Which you know, I would have went to Germany for two years and probably I would have gotten an airborne unit sure. after those two years, yep. So they, 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 the operation sergeant, I remember him asking me, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to give up Germany for two years? I'm like, yeah, you know, trying to be all macho. And the ops sergeant was what, in his 30s? Probably so, yeah. probably late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. And he, uh, he said, okay, I'll, I'll get it straight for you. He said, it might take a little time. So I was at Fort Benning for another three weeks. Just waiting for the paperwork to Just get straight. And the next class that came in, they had their zero week, and then they started, and I think I, they were in their second or third week before I got uh, left Fort Benning. Wow. But the cool thing about it, you know, I was like one of uh, maybe two, three, four people that got held over. A couple of guys that uh, got recycled because they got hurt. Right. And so I was like E2, and I remember like the next class comes in and they start, and so guys start falling out. You had E2s all the way up to, I think it was an E5, E6 had fallen out. And they were waiting to get their orders cut back to go back to their units or getting orders to go to a unit. And the first sergeant, he comes out there one day and, you know, they would just, I just get I just get in uniform. I might do PT uh, with some of the black hats if I wanted to. Right. And just, you know, just kind of just do my thing during the day. And finally, the first sergeant's like, 
Mills, come here, Mills. And he's like, uh, he said, I want you down in formation, my nine o'clock formation today. And so I came out there at nine o'clock, and he, he had these E6, E6, all the way down to an E2 lined up. And he, he had me he had me stand out in front of them, and he was like, this is my private airborne. <laughs> he said, I'm putting him in charge, because he got pissed. Because apparently they were cutting grass one day and sprayed gr- grass clippings all over his white Nissan Maxima. And that was his pride and joy. And he was pissed. They, they messed up. Yeah. And so this is my private airborne. He's, he's now, he's, he's in charge of y'all. What he tells y'all is what I'm telling y'all. Mm. And so here I am at E2. And he gave me a driver, drive around in a Humvee. Man, you were the you were the only E two that ever had. <laughs> and that. I felt about I felt so small. I'm like, I don't like this. These guys are getting pissed at me. Well, especially with the staff sergeant. Yeah, and yeah. so I didn't have to do anything but go around and make sure they did what first sergeant told them. Mm. First sergeant, I'm trying to think of his name, but so, yeah, that's unusual. That was unusual. Yeah, it's entertaining. All right, so you do uh, two years at, at Bray. Were you in the 307th? No, I was uh, there four years. Oh, you were there a total of four? Yeah. No, I was in the 20th Engineer Brigade. Okay. I was in the 37th Engineer Battalion. And that's all under uh, 18th Airborne Corps? Yep. Okay. Yeah, so we were basically attached to the 101st. Okay. Which was kind of strange being there Kentucky, and we were there at Bragg, but yeah. Yeah, because the AC and Airborne Division, I guess, had their own. They obviously had their own engineers, and yep. I guess there were so many engineers at Bragg that they were, yeah, supporting a bunch of different units yeah. around the country. Our brigade, we had the twenty seventh, and they had us. Then they had like the twentieth Engineer Battalion, I think it was. Okay, yeah, and I think they were more uh, light equipment, those bridge guys, and just electricians and just everything across the board that would follow up on a combat engineer. So when Desert Storm or shield then storm happened uh i was at bragg doing the rtc thing um and i graduated the same day that bragg just cleared out and uh so i I remember very distinctly that was august 1st of Mm -hmm. 1990 basically an airborne was over there by august 2nd maybe august 3rd um and then they put a lot of other people over there in saudi arabia uh, and then the ground war kicked off January, February time frame? Early February, I think. January 15th. Yeah, where were you? No, where? that was the air war. The air war started Jan- yeah, mid-January. I think it was yeah. early February, the, the four-day ground war, effectively. Were you at basic and AIT when all that mm-hmm. was going on? Yeah, I think I was just, we were just finishing up with basic. Or maybe had maybe a week in AIT yeah. when the air war kicked off. And what was that like going through basic and AIT, knowing that that was going on halfway around the world? Uh, so we were supposed to go home for Christmas. Then we get there, we get in the basic about a week into it, and they, they're like, guess what? You're not going home. Uh, you're, you're, you're going to you're get y'all through here and get y'all to y'all's units, and more than likely you'll be going overseas. Mm. And, my, of course, my brother was over there because when it – when Iraq invaded Kuwait, I was at the Outer Banks with my my parents. Oh wow! Yeah, so my brother got sent over there right away. Then what? I, you, what unit was he in back then? Uh, he was in a large D unit, and I can't remember the unit. Uh, Long range surveillance. Yeah, yeah, but my so I, I went to basic in AIT, and while I was at in basic, my dad got orders, and my dad had gotten out he, he was in the IRR he got called up out of the IRR yeah, got called back up and they sent him to Bragg oh wow yeah left my poor mother at home so all all her two babies and her yeah, husband were gone yeah and so I remember uh we got a letter no I think my mom told me over the phone I went down there and called her one night she told me over the phone and she's like yeah your dad's leaving here tomorrow and I remember... I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I remember uh, I went up there and we had this Sergeant Hildreth. Uh, he was like, I guess, the NCO for the night. He was staying there with us. And he was in the 82nd. He did Grenada, and I think he did Panama. Because mm. I think he had a muster stain on his jump wings. You don't see those very often. Mm-hmm. No, and he... Uh, and I went in there, and I remember asking, I said, hey, look, my dad uh, just got reactivated. He's a Green Beret. My brother's over there. And he leaves tomorrow, and they won't let us use the phones that night. And I think it was a Sunday, and I was like, can I, is there any way I can go call my dad? And he's like, sure, go. He said, you got, you got an hour. <laughs> he started, he let me go out there in the cold and went and called my dad. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm yeah. glad you got a hold of him. Yeah, yeah. 
Where was he already in uniform when you talked to him, or, or was he packing up? He was packing up. He's at home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I'm the Times Dispatch on the newsletter did an article on my dad, and my brother, and mentioned me. <laughs> the, yeah. the the young one at, at yeah basic. they talked yeah. to my, they interviewed my mom and said my mom, they were asking my mom what it was like to have you know your 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 husband and your two sons you know you got a son already over there your your husband's been reactivated and you got a son in basic so you remember what she said no I don't but I I have that article at home I'd have to dig it up. I'll have to uh, take a picture of it and send it to you one day. It's unusual. And, and look, I, I say this to a lot of people. It's not just the, the men or women in uniform. It's the, the ones that are taking care of stuff back at home. So your, yeah. your mom was doing some hard stuff on her own because she was used to having at least her husband around. Yeah. And you had just left the house. Yeah. Well, she's probably glad I left the house. <laughs> I wasn't cleaning the refrigerator out. Was that your job? And, and yeah, to eat all the time. Uh, of course. Oh, you, when you mean cleaning that, you mean <laughs> no, you mean cr- cr- eat them. all their food. He, yeah, my my son has that problem. That's so my son. Yeah, Dad, we ain't got anything to eat here. Right. Well, my son, why. my son's old enough to eat uh, to drive. Like you know where the grocery store is, man. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. I can, but I you know, Peyton said it here earlier about an hour ago. He's like. It'll be so much easier when I get my license. I'm like, yes, it will. For everybody. Yeah. For everybody. Then you have to worry about it when they're out on the road. (laughs) Yeah. That's a bit of a nightmare itself, but yeah. Great. Yeah. You you can be anxious about a million different things. (laughs) All right. So uh, what are your fondest memories of of being at Bragg? Uh, Shoot. I have a lot of memories of Bragg. I have a lot of good memories. Uh, You know, I was in, had a lot of good guys. Uh, I had a variety of people, man, you know, guys from every walk of life. And probably just, just com- the camaraderie, you know, getting to know, you know, different guys, uh, being pushed. Because I remember I came in, you know, I was somewhat athletic, somewhat in shape, out of coming out of basic and IIT. And, man, I remember just some of them guys were just animals. And that, you know, that, that pushed me. And so I remember, shoot, man, I got... I got, at the time, best shape of my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, I enjoy jumping. It's crazy It's crazy for me to say this now, but I enjoy jumping out of planes. But now it's weird. I'm scared of heights. Really? Yeah. But, like you wouldn't do it now? Uh, I had a friend of mine here about two years ago mention about maybe going to jump for our 50th uh, birthday. And I was like, he went skydiving while I was at Bragg because he was at Radford or Tech. And he came down there, and I was supposed to meet him and go with him. But uh, I remember I, I came, we got a four day, and so I came home that weekend. And I was like, man, I'm getting away from this place. But uh, he, I said, if you pay for it and set everything up, I'll go. I said, but. But you haven't jumped out of a plane in forever. Yeah, I said, I'm not going to put any effort into it at all to do it other than show up. I was going to say, it's been 20 some years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so you weren't afraid of heights when you were younger? No. Never was. What, did something change, or it just kind of happened one day? Yeah, I got old. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so as you get older, yeah, things start so. scaring you more. Yeah, I, I remember uh, the first house I bought in the city, I was going up on a ladder to work on a window, and I realized, like, damn, I'm scared of heights now. Hmm. So, Guy who'd been jumping, at, how many times did you jump out of planes, roughly? Uh, you shouldn't ask a paratrooper that. <laughs> like a million. <laughs> uh, Too many? I, yeah. I, no, I had 50... I think 53 jumps by okay. the time I got out. Yeah. And I probably had 60 scratches. Mm. So my brother, he's, he laughed at me. He's like, man, we never scratched. So I was like, I guess I You had more scratches than actual jumps? It seemed like it. I say that, but it seemed like we had a lot of scratches. And is all usually wind or a storm coming through? Wind is typically wind. I remember a couple times it was raining. But she, my very last jump, they gave me, uh, I got the jump with no equipment. And it was that night, and we were jumping out of C1, C-141s, and they were running off because it was real foggy, and so they were running off their instruments. And so I remember it, it was six birds, and I think we were the, either the lead or the second bird, and we go around, and we're standing up getting ready to jump, and we race track, race track again, race track again, and then we let, we end up going back to Bragg and uh, well, Pope Air Force Base and landing. And the uh, one of the jump masters or the load masters was like, "Yeah," he said, 
I looked out. I looked out, and he saw. I saw the trail burn below us. That's not good. That's not good. And he said. So we came back around, and I didn't see it. And then he said, "That's why we racetrack so many times because I, I couldn't see the bird." Mm. And so I was like, "Well, that's good. <laughs> my last jump probably would have been my very last." You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to hit another plane. Yeah. So maybe the, the thought of that maybe you know spooked me. And, you know. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, so when you typically jump, when you're doing a combat jump, describe it for the person who has never been in the military, never jumped out of a plane. What's that like? So how is uh, you have all your equipment and you rig all your equipment up, like your rucksack. You rig it up under your reserve, which your reserve is about mid your stomach, and so it hooks up on D rings below your reserve, and it hangs from you, and it bruises your shins, bruises your, you know, your thighs. And You're walking with what seventy pounds of stuff between your legs, effectively. Probably, probably so, maybe all together. Yeah. Uh, smarter ones are trying to get rid of stuff in their rucksack, <laughs> but uh, I was they made me a sixty gunner as a private. <laughs> And so they took the smallest dude that was in that platoon. I was going to say, can I ask your height? Just so that five eight. You're five, five eight. You're five eight, and they gave you yeah. the pig. And I was probably a buck forty ish then. And so they gave the smallest guy the sixty. And the sixty, if you put it on its butt, <laughs> bite. It was up one of my shoulder. <laughs> and we had so we put them in weapons cases. And after after every two jumps, I'd have to get a new weapons case because the barrel of it was pointed down. And so it would rub a hole in the bottom of the mm. weapons case. Wow. For me walking along the uh, tarmac and whatnot, walking oh, after the bird. Man. So, yeah, they made the smallest guy the 60 gunner, but I guess they made the toughest guy the, the 60 gunner. Nice. But I enjoyed I like it, that. man. I enjoyed having that, having the pig. When you open that thing up, you, people around you knew it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. It was a pretty reliable weapon, too. It was that. Yeah. It was that. It, you could soak. It, Get everything in that thing. That thing would fire. Yeah, it was in the system for a long time. Yep, a really long time. I think they don't they still have like versions of it, stripped down versions of it. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't stray far away from yeah. the original. But no, I, I that's probably you know you asked me most memorable time probably being a sixty gunner. Mm. But when I finally gave that thing up, I was like, whew, I no longer <laughs> have to hold this thing. You probably felt like you were floating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. Somebody took a picture of me. Uh, we were doing a rucksack march one day. And it was during, it was like in July. And it's just, I'm just drenched in sweat. And I got that thing hanging off of me. I remember that thing hanging off my neck and my neck killing me. Oh, yeah. And I was like, God bless it. I can't <laughs> wait to be done here today. But you never gave it up. No. Uh-uh. No, they finally, uh, finally took it from me. And another guy came in and shoot. No, they, uh, E4 came in. A uh, guy who had gotten out and came back in. They ended up. Taking it from me and giving it to him. He was a newbie because he got out, right? Mm-hmm. And he was he was dumb as a brick of box of rocks. <laughs> so that guy had he had no off switch. He would just go and go and go. Well, that can be good at times. <laughs> it can be, but he was dumb as hell. God bless him. Oh, that's amazing! All right, so back to jumping out with all the stuff on. You're do, you're you're dropping. Quickly, right? You don't want to be hanging out in your parachute. So you're moving pretty quickly towards the ground, right? Uh, I think that all depends on the air. Because I remember one night we jumped, it was cold and there was no wind. And I remember, because uh, my rucksack, I went to lower it. We had a 15-foot line. You would pull this, uh, I forget what it's called now. You'd pull this thing and your rucksack would drop 15 feet below you. And I went to pull that thing that night. And I don't, the Velcro didn't come off, didn't, didn't release. And that thing dropped right below my, my feet. And so it was dangling right at my feet. That's right not good. My feet. That's I'm not like, good. I remember coming down, I'm like, I'm going to break my damn legs. Yeah, I'm going to break both my legs. Yeah. And I was kicking it, kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. And I was probably kicking it. It was probably just flying off to the side. I was probably barely hitting it. But I remember coming down, and there was no moon. And we were jumped on Holland. DZ, which is, they had an FLS, and that thing was made out of clay, and that thing was packed, and it was hard. And I remember coming down, and I was just kicking, 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 and I finally got that thing to the side of my feet, and we had to pull on our risers to kind of like, kind of slow us down and get ready to land. And I remember as soon as I grabbed my risers, I went feet ass into the ground. Because you, you couldn't see the ground. No, not that, and I was kicking that damn rucksack the whole time. And I thought I broke my back that night. Mm. I, I guarantee I bruised my, my tailbone. 
because I, I remember sitting down for about three weeks after that, and it, it would hurt. Oh, I bet. Of course, I never said anything. Should you have looking back at it? Looking back on it, yeah, because now you know I have a. I learned probably ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I have a herniated disc. You know, I can't say it's related to that, but I'm sure. There's there's a decent chance it is. Yeah. Mm. All right, so you did four years at Bragg, and then your original commitment was four years? Original commitment was four years, and my my family thought I was going to do 20 years. But I remember one morning, I remember one night, I was up to about 1 o'clock, just messing around, and I think it was a weekend, and I went to bed about 1.15, or maybe it was like a Wednesday, I went to bed, and as soon as I started going to sleep, they came up and got us. And we ended up jumping into Fort Seal, Oklahoma, and I landed in the trees, and it was 37 degrees and raining. But so that's the worst. Yeah, There's landed, nothing worse than that. Yep, I landed in the trees, and I just— Well, hold on. Let me back up. It's bad to land in a tree. I'm not a paratrooper, but it's bad to land in a tree. But yeah. that weather, that combination of above freezing but below 40 and raining yeah, is miserable. Is miserable. And I remember I finally got out of the trees, and I they had me carry the 60 that time because that guy, the E4, uh, some reason, I think his wife was having a baby. So whatever reason, he got out of it. So he didn't go, so they gave me the 60 again to take there. And I was just, I remember, I just remember we we met up, uh, and our platoons moved out, our squads, platoons. And I remember sitting down, we sat down for a few minutes, I remember my neck started hurting. I guess I, you know, did something when I hit the trees, and I was just like, "That's it, I'm done, I'm getting out." And you were close to the end of your four-year commitment. At that yeah, point. that was like in the winter of '94, uh, and we got back, and a couple of weeks later, I went to Alaska for a month or so for the winter, uh, winter school. I forget what it's called. Oh shoot. Winter Warfare Training Center. Something like that. Yeah, right. that's where I learned to ski. Really? I learned to ski in the Army. And like cross-country or downhill? Everything. Really? Yeah. Oh, they taught you all of it. Yes. And oh, I that's had, cool. I had a blast. That was one of the, probably one of the best times I had in the Army. Because our, our... Winter Warfare School, I think yep. is the name of it. Because yeah. our, uh, our uh, I guess, team leader, our instructor, he was at E7, and he was getting ready to go SF. And that guy, he's, he was a stud. And he wasn't like all the other instructors, not like on everybody's ass and just making them do stupid stuff. It seemed stupid at the time to us, but I remember he took us up. It seems stupid now, too. <laughs> yeah, yes. So I remember he, everybody had their rucksacks on and trying to learn how to ski. And he didn't. He made us do that for about an hour or two. And this guy could ski his ass off. And so he took us up. He said, he, he took our, our squad. He said, you know, the best way to learn how to ski? And we were like, how? What? He said, we're going up to the top of the mountain. He said, I'm going to cut y'all loose. Mm. So we went up to the top of the mountain. He said, all right, meet, meet me at the next, you know, next uh, ski lift. And so we would take off, and, man, we were just like, we, I had a blast. We could do anything we wanted to, man. And that guy was just laughing at us every time we fell down <laughs> and challenging us to go faster. So That's I, a good way to learn, actually. Yeah, yeah we had a blast. And so I still ski to this day. That's awesome. And I have the Army and that man to thank for it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that assignment for him, he probably was in heaven. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he gets to ski and get paid to, yep. to do it. Yep. Yeah, and he's, and he's training other people, too, yep. which is kind of cool. You could tell he enjoyed what he was doing. So, uh, what's a few months passed after you realized you didn't want to do it anymore? Yeah, a few months passed, and we... Uh, uh, we ended up going to Haiti uh, that year, this late summer, summer. Got back from Haiti in, what, November, I think. And I was that was in 94, right? Yep, yeah, and I was getting out in, in a month. So they sent me back early because they knew I was getting ready to ETS, and they started sending us back. And I, I you know, I just, you know, I, my last month, they kind of let me do what I wanted to do, you know, out process. And the day after I got out, I started school. Mm. So that was a huge adjustment for me. And uh, starting school, you came back to, uh, where'd you go, VCU? I, I started at Reynolds, at okay. Reynolds for a year, and went to VCU after that. And, you know, for the first time in four years, I had to get up and dress myself. It wasn't <laughs> you, just, had, you had to pick P- out your own clothes. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't PT clothes or, or BDUs. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, there's a process where you get used to doing things a certain way, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, did you have to join the Army National Guard? Was there part of your commitment where you had to? No, I was going to totally get out. And my brother, Vaughn, talked to me about it a little bit. And he's like, make your own, he said, make your own mind up on it. He said, the only thing, he said, the only thing I'll say is when you're in school, when you have something to do or you have a test the following Monday, then you got drilled that yeah. weekend. And so I was getting ready to get out. And I one of my places I had to check out is to go to see the recruiter, the National Guard recruiter. Mm-hmm. And they, at the time, it seemed like a lot of money to me. They were offering like $2,500 bonus. Well, it was a bonus, and you got double pay for your time. So if you did a two-day weekend, you're actually getting paid four days. Yeah. So I said, hell yeah, sign me up. So, and that's and I went into the National Guard. You weren't jumping out of planes in the, in the National Guard. No. Uh, um, but we were still doing 12B stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, we had busy weekends. I mean, we, we hustled, man. We got some yeah. stuff done. I was hoping to just go to drill and just drink beer, but there's no drinking beer involved. I think you were 20 years too late yeah, for that, I was, actually. I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I, I, when I had joined, because I'm a few years older than you, when I joined, there were, there were red coolers still around. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not a, not a good scene. But that we cleaned that up pretty quickly, I think. That's good. All right, so I, I'd love to talk about and I'm going to have you back, because I know you got to run, pick up your daughter. we got about eight or nine minutes left, probably. Um, you got out of the guard. Uh, well, what was going on in your life when you got the medical diagnosis? No, uh, I had to get diagnosed with a brain tumor. and so well, How did you know you had, you had a problem? Uh, I started having, uh, they call them cluster headaches and it took me probably 10 months to realize what was going on. Uh, cluster headaches come on and for me, they last about 30, 60 seconds and they were, they compare them to migraines. They say they're even worse than migraines sometimes. Mm. And I'd, I'd get one and it'd stop me dead in my tracks and either I would have to sit down or I'd, I'd always have to cover my eyes because the light would kill, would make it worse. It sounds a lot like a migraine. And so I started getting those, and shit, I had them for six, ten months, and just ignored it. Mm. And finally, it was the winter. I was on winter break, and I was running uh, down, what was it, shoot, running out of Ashland, and it was like 20-some degrees that day. And along the way, I took off my sweatpants, threw them in the woods, near some houses, unfortunately, and my knee started bothering me. And I got about three, four miles outside of Ashland. And I was like, ah, oh, I said, my knees bother me. I said, let, let me just turn around and go back. So I ended up walking all the way back to, was it, Wild Workout Wonder Gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, on my way, I was about a mile away from my sweatpants. And some damn kid stole my damn sweatpants. I remember they were look, look, playing in the yard about 200 yards away from me. And I looked over at them thinking, oh, they're not watching me. And I threw my sweatpants in the woods. And I came back, and my sweatpants were gone, mm. and I froze my ass off walking back. But make a, I made an appointment to go to the doctor. This is right after Christmas. Made an appointment because your head was killing you when no, you had those episodes. My knee was killing me. Oh, your knee! Oh, you went to the for your knee. Yeah. So I went went to the doctor, and it's Doctor Rao. He lives there in Ashland. Still lives on the railroad tracks. Yep. And he was like, "Oh, just you just got runner's knee. Just take a couple weeks off, and you'll be fine." And he just anything else been bothering you? And I was like. You know what? Now I almost didn't say anything. I said, "You know what?" I said, "I've been getting these headaches," and he said, "Well, you know, he." It's a it's a good thing he asked that question. It's a good thing yeah. you answered it. Yeah, because I probably would have never said anything. Mm. And so he uh, he did some different tests on me. He couldn't find anything. And he's like, "Have you been?" He said, "Are you stressed?" And he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm going to college." He said, "Well, are you stressed to classes?" I said, "No." I said, "I said now that it's in the army, I said, you know, I got the discipline and." No, I'm not really stressed. He said, well, he's like, how about your vision? I'm like, I see the board fine. I see everything fine. He said, well, go to the eye doctor anyway. He said, it could be something with your eyesight. You, you might need glasses, not just reading glasses, because you read a lot. And so I went to the doctor, Dr. Rao. Uh, no, I went to the eye doctor, Dr. Mallinton, that used to be, he's retired now. He was in Nashville. And he's the one that found it, because he did some different tests, and I had no periphery vision. So he's like, have you noticed that when you're driving down the road, you don't see cars? Oh, he discovered it without a CAT scan or anything. Yep. And so he, I would lose, so a car could be 500 feet away from me. And when it, when it got within 500 feet, it would disappear. It wouldn't reappear until it was like almost up on me. Wow. And I never noticed it. So he said, well, when you leave here today, he said, 
focus on that. Cover up eye and see if you, and uh, short sell. I, I saw that, but he's like, he told me, he's like, he said, I got good news and bad news. He said, what do you want first? I said, hit me with the bad news. He said, well, you got a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's pushing up on your optic nerve. And he said, good news is you'll get your, your eyesight back uh, once you get it removed or whatever. So he sent me straight back to, uh, I think I went back to Dr. Lee because uh, that's the first person I could get in to see. And Dr. Lee, she, Dr. Lee set me up with a, a CT scan, or a CAT scan. And that day, and I went, and the guy doing the uh, CAT scan said, oh, you have nothing to worry about unless you see a bunch of doctors around my screen. So I do the CAT scan, I set up, and there's a bunch of doctors around the screen. <laughs> and I remember he looks up and sees me, and he just like, he has this like, oh shit look on his face. Mm-hmm. And so he comes up, he's like, hey, we're sending you back to your doctor. They see something. And so they send me back to my doctor, and Dr. Lee says, I, he had already set up an MRI for me, like, the next day. Went and got an MRI at St. Mary's, and the nurse, the nurse was probably in her 30s, and I was, like, mid-20s. And I go in there, and she's, like, talking, she's like, well, why are you in here? And I was like, oh, apparently I got a tumor or something. And so I go in there, have the MRI done, and I walk out, and... Uh, when I walk out, she's in tears. She's crying, mm. and I'm like, "What's wrong?" And she looks up to me, and she can't she can't speak. And then she's like, "All she can say is like, I'm sorry." I'm like, "What are you talking about? You're sorry?" She's like, "You you have you do have a tumor, and it's about the size of a little bit bigger than a golf ball, and it's right there behind your eyes." Which is a huge mass that part of your head like that. Yeah. So they immediately sent me back to my Dr. White. I mean, not Dr. White, Dr. Lee. Dr. Lee sent me to Dr. White. He was a neurologist uh, at the time. And I went to see Dr. White the next day. And my mom, I mean, my mom was a nurse. And he's like, yeah, he said, you have a brain tumor and we, we got to operate. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom busted out in tears. Oh, I bet. And so uh, she, the very next day, I was going to St. Mary's at 5 in the morning to get surgery. And it's weird that that night, the night before that, I went, I used to go to work out one all the time. I went to the gym. And they already, I kind of, I already told them the day before that. And I was like, well, I'll get surgery tomorrow. He's like, well, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, I guess, Kevin. Good luck. <laughs> you know, I worked out and went home at 7, had dinner and, you know, did whatever and got up at 4.30 the next morning, went to St. Mary's. Mm. All right, we're, we're going to end it there because that's a good place to stop. We're going to do a part two with you whenever, whenever I can get you back over here. Um, and then we can talk about what you've been doing since um, – the Army National Guard. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about the Army National Guard since we yep. were in the same unit together. Um, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate your service, man, yep. but Thank we're definitely going to have you back. We're going to talk about what it was like after the surgery. Yep. Cool. You got to go pick up your daughter, though. Yep. I'd love to do it. Awesome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.